0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, we finish the book of Jude, verses 24 and 25, with the comforting assurance that God will help every believer to finish well, and well standing before him, blameless, with great joy. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Jim Redmond's son,
1: Derek, 26-year-old Britton, was favored to win the 400-meter race in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Halfway into his semifinal heat, a fiery pain seared through his right leg and he crumpled to the track with a torn hamstring. As the medical attendants were approaching, Redmond fought to his feet It was animal instinct, he would later say, set out on hopping, pushing away the coaches in a crazed attempt to finish the race. When he reached the stretch, a big man pushed through the crowd. He was wearing a T-shirt that read, Have you hugged your child today? And a hat that challenged, Just do it. The man was Jim Redmond, Derek's father. You don't have to do this, he told his weeping son. Yes, I do. Derek declared, Well then, Jim said, we're going to finish this together. And they did. Jim wrapped son Derek's arm around his shoulder and helped him hobble to the finish line, fighting off security men, the son's head sometimes buried in his father's shoulder in pain as they stayed in Derek's lane to the end. The crowd clapped, then stood, then cheered. And then wept as the father and son finished the race. What made the father do it? What made the father leave the stands to meet his son on the track? Was it the strength of his child? No, it was the pain of his child. His son was hurt and fighting to complete the race of his life. And so the father came to help him finish. God does the same for you. You may feel like you've fallen, believer. You may figure that you'll never be seen as faultless. You may believe that you'll never bring joy to your Father in heaven because of how or what you have done or said. But Jude 24 and 25 emphatically says that every single born-again believer will be kept from stumbling and will be made to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, blameless. Remember, as moving as it was, Jim Redmond merely brought his son Derek over an Olympic Games finish line. The Lord Jesus Christ, in contrast, will bring you and me to his Father, and we will come faultless in Christ. We will come with unmitigated joy to enter into the rest of all eternity. Philippians 1.6 puts this victorious crossing of the finish line this way. I've been quoting the verse earlier, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will be carrying it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Apparently God himself crosses the eternal finish line with each of his blood-bought kids, and maybe our faces will be buried in his figurative shoulder because we're in pain, but we cross the finish line and are made to stand blameless. Really, all of our strugglings in our Christian lives are somewhat similar to climbing Mount Fuji in Japan. Mount Fuji is a mountain of volcanic ash and rock where you can climb up three steps up this mountain and only to slide back two because of the loose volcanic rock. And such a climb of Mount Fuji is hard and most strenuous and sometimes so discouraging, but the view from the top of Mount Fuji Is absolutely gorgeous. That's why people climb it. Keep climbing. Keep trusting. Keep obeying. Keep tapping into God's grace. Let's look at the end of verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Now the end. Before all time, that's eternity behind us. Now that's the present. And forevermore, that's all the future there is, which goes into affinity. And together, this phrase is what Greek scholar A.T. Robertson calls as complete a statement of eternity as can be made in human language. Before all time, now and forever. Amen. Let it be so. The Believer's Victory Celebration spans eternity. Nothing nothing more nothing less nothing else eternity past into the present eternity future and that's a reason to celebrate that's a reason to worship that's a reason to press on and we praise the lord for his salvation and so the book has said your name and said ready steady and that's been all about false teachers but the go is all about jesus and your salvation in him beware of false teachers confront them toss them out of the church if they're here But don't focus on them. Don't fixate on them. Fixate on Jesus. Totally focus on Jesus. He'll be the one that will bring you across the finish line to his Father, blameless, and make you to stand. Would you stand with me? Dear Heavenly Father, as we close this time of worship, we are lost in wonder, love, and praise to you. That of all the humanity you've created, you reach down and showed us your love in Christ. You identified us as objects of your grace, and we became adopted sons or daughters in Christ, no longer deserving subjects of your wrath. Thank you that you've deposited your Holy Spirit within us to show us right from wrong, to illuminate our understanding of Scripture, to seal us for the day of redemption, to grant to us spiritual gifts, to empower Christian ministry to convict of sin and of salvation. Father, when we delve even in a minuscule way tonight into who you are, we become lost for words. We would ask, Lord, that we would ponder these things regularly, that we would take our eyes off all of the busyness of the little anthills upon which we live and work, to look up to the galaxies where you abide and your abode and to realize how much bigger your plans and decrees are than our to-do list this week. And yet, you care about our to-do list because you are transcendent over your universe, but you are imminent in our hearts and circumstances. Lord, we thank you that the completion of our salvation, the movement of us from justification through sanctification and in through Glorification depends on you, and you will see us through. Remind us of that, Lord, when we are prone to discouragement or fatigue, that we will be made to stand before you, blameless in Christ. And now, Lord, to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to make us to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time
0: and now and forever. Amen. And now, today's ministry spotlight.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas here, and I'm the youth Pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And we are continuing today on You Talk, our series on social media. And today, as we looked at last, we just want to recap two different questions that we can ask ourselves as we... Use different social media formats. And those are, do you have a relationship through social media that you should cut off? Are there people in your life that you need to just cut off, that you need to unfriend, you need to block? First Corinthians 15, says, do not be deceived that bad company corrupts good character. And I think we need to recognize that as we think of social media, there are people on our page that we just need to cut off because we see the different things that they share. And it's, it's a hindrance to our relationship with Jesus Christ. The second question we looked at last week was, does social media help you to be content? Uh, It's so easy to look at social media and see things that people have and and we want. Uh, Whether it be phones, whether it be TVs, whatever it may be, we are not content with what God has given us. This morning, we want to look at two different questions, and those two questions are these. Do you use social media to boost your ego? Mark 836 says this, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You see, we can believe the lie that we only have value if people follow us or like our posts. If your mood depends on how many likes and how many retweets your post has, you care too much about gaining the approval of man. And the Bible is very clear that we are not on this earth to gain approval of man, but we are here to be a representation of God. And, And I think too many times we are so caught up in being liked by man and being approved by man that we forget that our Heavenly Father is the one that we represent. I think too many times, again, that this is a way that we boost our ego because we put a picture and we, we, we're checking back and forth to see how many likes did I have or how many retweets did I have. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in just our ego being boosted because we feel like, well, th- these people like my post. They like my picture. I think too many times this is what happens in in all our relationships as we think of, we go through our life, we rejoice in the fact, as we think of, of what people are saying, instead of rejoicing in the fact that the gospel said that God accepts you because of what Christ has done. Not what people tell you on social media or how many likes you get, but we find that the gospel is the reason that we accept it and is what Christ has done. And I think too many times, again, in our world, it's all about acceptance. We are told by the world that we want to be popular, and you want to be accepted, so you're going to do anything you can. And because people like me, and and they're retweeting these things, I feel like my ego is getting boosted, and uh, pride comes in. But God makes it very clear in His Word that what does it profit a man? If he gained the approval of everyone, he gained the approval of the whole world, but he forfeited his soul. I think too many times, again, we are so caught up in being people pleasers that we forget that we are to be God pleasers. And let me just say this, I'm not talking down to anyone this morning because I think you know, I fall in this trap as well. We wanna be accepted by people. We wanna feel liked and loved by people. We want people to say good things about us. They don't want their ego put down or their character defamed. What they want is they want people to like them and to love them and just show approval. Again, like I said, I would struggle with this as well. We all need to challenge ourselves. Are we trying to please God? Are we doing all we can to please God instead of wearing what man thinks? And the, and the other question we're going to look at this morning is this. Do you use social media to hide? Proverbs 25, 14 says, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Have you ever known someone who acts very cool online, and they are a different person in real life. Unfortunately, social media can do that. In fact, we know that people have taken pictures of other people and used their profiles so that people will think that's the person. You see, this is, again, as we looked at earlier, this is the root of an issue of pride. We want people to think that we are, we are cool, we have it all together, that everything is, is perfect. But we need to remember what James 4.10 says, and he says this, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Again, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. You see, we're not again looking for the approval of man. We're looking for the approval of God, and we need to humble ourselves before him, and he will exalt us. You know, we cannot hide behind our different social media platforms. We can't hide and think that we have it all together. We put this front to the world that, you know, I have it, I have everything together in my life. No, we need to be real. We need to understand that we should not hide behind this. And like I said, I think that we're all honest with ourselves and and emotions and and so many times that people, you know, get so caught up in in hiding the truth about their lives. Social media does that because we can put on a a face. We can put on a front for everyone to think that we have it all together. And as we looked at previously in different other questions. We, we can post scripture verses. We post all these different things and, and we make people think that we're a great Christ follower. But in reality, we're living in a time where we're spiritually dead. We're living in a time where we're going through the wilderness of our spiritual life. And we really need help. And we try to, to, to get our boost from social media instead of going to someone and talking to them, whether it be your pastor, whether it be anyone. And, and you can even call me here at Calvary Bible Church. Because I think too many times we allow ourselves to just be, to be hide from the, from the reality of what's going on in our lives. I would challenge you as, as you think about these two questions this morning, that you would recognize again that your acceptance doesn't come from people. Your acceptance doesn't come from what others say about you or or whether they like you or love you or whatever they do on your, your Facebook or Instagram pages, but it comes from God. And at the end of the day, it's what God thinks about you. It's not about what people are saying. It's what God says about you. And the only way that we can even comprehend or we can even think that God has approval in our lives is this, if we follow him and we are doing what he wants us to do, not to get the approval of those that, that we come in contact with. And just in, in the last thing we want to think about is this. If you're getting the approval of man and everyone's liking you, I can tell you this, you're doing something wrong for God, because there's no way that everyone's going to like you. If you're taking a stand for God, because this world does not love our heavenly father, our savior. So we cannot mix with the world in that way, but we need to be a light in this world. We need to be there and we need to understand that God wants our best. He wants us to recognize that we need to please him and bring honor and glory to his name. I want to thank you again for
1: listening. This is Pastor Nicholas here at Calvary Bible Church, and I hope you have a great day. I'm excited to invite you as listeners to consider joining us for a very special time of World Missions emphasis at our church. On March the 26th, which is a Sunday, and March the 27th, the Monday, we're going to have our annual emphasis on World Missions under the theme, Get in the Game, Change the World. Our guest speaker is going to be Dale Losh, who serves as president of CrossWorld Mission. Dale is a dynamic speaker and he's going to speak four times. On the Sunday at 9.30 a.m., Dale's topic will be God's answer to Larry King, based on Luke 10, verses 25 to 42. And then at 11 a.m. on the Sunday, Dale will speak on the topic, What's so great about God? Based on Jonah chapters three and four. Then at lunchtime on the Sunday, we'll have a lunch together and Dale will speak on the topic, Your Two Cents Worth, based on Matthew 10, 40-42. On Monday evening, March the 27th, Dale's last talk will be God Loves Mondays, based on Luke 19. That meeting will start at 7 p.m. The following Sunday, April the 2nd, we will have a special emphasis on our own Bahamian missionaries who will bring reports in the 11 a.m. worship service. We hope that you can join us for encouragement and equipping in the reaching of the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very pleased this morning to have in our radio studio Dr. Marlene Heiler. Good Good morning.
3: Good morning.
1: Sister Marlene is a professional counselor, and she is the co-founder of the New Providence Classical School. What is a classical school?
3: (laughs) A classical school is a school where the curriculum is based on the method of education used during the time of Christ. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just enough.
1: Well, that is enough, and yet I have another question. <laughs> what would you say was that methodology that was used at the time of Christ, Christ on earth?
3: Well, it's based on the classical era of history, which is the Greek and the Roman period of mm-hmm. history. And that was about 750 years before Christ Yes, until about 570-some years after the death of Christ. And that method is called the Latin trivium and the quadrivium. You know, in Proverbs, it talks about the seven pillars of learning? Yes. And the classical school is based on the first three pillars, and that would be grammar, logic, and rhetoric.
1: Grammar, logic, logic, and and rhetoric. rhetoric.
3: So it's a three-part method of learning and training the mind. And I can explain what those are. Please do. (laughs) The grammar stage is basically from 1st to 6th grade. Mm -hmm. And because grammar is, we can say, weak in our country, we take it all the way up to 12th grade. Uh And during the grammar stage, students are grounded in facts. So if you come to a classical school, you will hear lots of chants, singing, skipping. And those facts could be math facts, science facts, history facts, Bible facts our third graders would know up to their 15 times tables. Wow. They wouldn't understand all of what these facts are, but it so happens that in 1947, Dorothy Sayers, she said students are not as astute, they're not as articulate. We need to go back to the medieval methods of learning. Mm -hmm. She called them the lost tools of learning. And she presented an essay at Oxford University called The Lost Tools of Learning. And those lost tools would be the grammar the logic and the rhetoric so grounded in facts. The logic stage is helping students know how facts relate to one another and they literally learn the science of logic and argument. And Dorothy Sayers also noticed that these stages happen to parallel a child's development. Interesting. So when they like to learn foolishness and TV commercial jingles, we give them facts to learn. Bible facts and It goes just with their method of learning. When they start to become argumentative, we teach them how to do it persuasively and correctly. We give them the science of logic. facts, how facts relate to one another. The rhetoric stage is knowing, giving them the science of rhetoric. They learn how to communicate facts persuasively in written and verbal form. Mm -hmm. And so to graduate, these students have to write, you know, in master's degree, you write a thesis. These students would have to write a thesis and defend a thesis.
1: Beautiful. For the 12th grade.
3: For the 12th grade, in order to graduate. So that's the core.
1: core. What an eye-opening and mind-opening explanation of classical uh, schooling. Wow. How many students do you have in the New Providence Classical School?
3: We have 70 students right now. Um, Our next step is 120 students. And we have room for up to 150 students. In terms of Visiting the school you can know it's different right away. It looks like a home because in a classical school It's a home for learning We also use the classics people would say the 500 most important books in the world No one who has ever changed the world has changed the world without reading one of these classics
1: Wow What a statement
3: the school is located on Palmdale Avenue and Tedder Street, and I, I didn't say earlier, but our sixth graders are passing the ninth grade BJCs, and the eighth graders are passing the twelfth grade BGCSEs, and it is a Christian school.
1: Wow, that's great. How were you first exposed to classical schooling?
3: Friends of mine, their real names are Tom and Jerry. Really? <laughs> yes.
1: I love that cartoon.
3: They are intentional parents, and there are a lot of people who are just intentional parents. They want to raise a godly generation.
1: Yes, amen.
3: And a lot of those people are homeschooling.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well... In the Reformed community, if you want to put it that way, because a lot of classical parents are from the Reformed community, the Presbyterian, the PCA churches. Well, in that community, these persons were homeschooling classically. And I came home officially about eight years ago.
1: From and, the U.S.? From
3: the U.S. Mm-hmm. as a missionary. The women from the, one of the prayer groups of Calvary Bible Church had a welcome home party for me. Mm-hmm. And three of them were, were teachers, teachers. We laughed all night. (laughs) We laughed. You you can say horror stories, but if you didn't laugh, you would cry. Uh And I woke up the next morning traumatized. That if that was the reality. First of all, this is not the Bahamas I left in 1994. And if. We were going to go back to some of the values we had. My prin- it's a biblical principle, but the verse that came to mind is, do not remove the ancient landmarks yes. so that others would know the way. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed about the possibility of a museum. You know, as you pass these schools, C.H. Reeves, Doris Johnson, these persons were classically educated. Interesting. At, and Nassau, the Bahamas, was one of the places that had it the longest. It ended around the 1850s, but we had traces of it up until the nineteen up until about 1980 huh. in the Bahamas. One of the mm-hmm. t- distinctives is we also learn Latin, and they're proud of it. So if they went to Queens College when they taught Latin or Government High when they taught Latin or St. John's or St. Anne's, this is what they would say. I went to the Government High. to let you know what it is today, it's not what it was then. So I figured if we have a museum, at least they will know traces of excellence of who we are as a people at the core, and it will help remind us of what we used to be. So I wake up on a Sunday morning traumatized if this is the reality of education in the Bahamas. And to comfort myself, I Googled classical education because I know friends have been doing it at this point, probably for 20 years, to know that their parents who haven't thrown away the basics, who are interested in biblically-minded thinkers and change agents who are going to impact the culture for Christ. So I I just Googled it to comfort myself. Lo and behold, since I was exposed to classical education, there were actual schools. I see. And not just Mm homeschools. There were actual schools. And my sister, who has been a manager... You cannot be an employer or manager in the Bahamas and not be concerned. The Employers Federation, they're very concerned about poor work ethic, lack of excellence, lack of job readiness. Yes. And she had been saying, should she volunteer to College of the Bahamas, at the teacher's training? How can she help change the next generation you know, so they can be employable Yes. and we could continue to build a country? And so when I said, look at this, she looked at me like, you've got to be kidding. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with a museum? That's not going to change the country. So here we've been praying for over five years about how we're going to impact the country. And she looked at me and she says, oh, we got to do this. Because, I mean, you'd been praying for years about it changing. And I said, okay, I'll give you three years. And that was about nine years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how the school came about. After much prayer and waiting for someone else to change it.
1: Thank you so much for that good um, review. So if, the, if I was a listener this morning who has uh, children that are under the 12th grade in age and is interested about the whole concept of a classical schooling for their children— Is there a phone number they could phone?
3: Yes, you can call the school at 394-7393.
1: Is it possible for a seriously interested parent to even do a little tour of the school when it was operational?
3: Yes, we we are definitely an open school. Parents can come at the campus. You can call and you can take a tour. You can come and visit. People go, are children in here? Wow. Because it's so orderly. I called my sister today because I work behind the scene. I said... Before I go on the radio, when I talk about our distinctives, what's different about New Providence Classical School? Do students still cry to come to school? Nine years later, are students still saddened that it's Saturday and they can't come to school? Do students in August start to call to find out when is school opening? Wow. And in last, about two years ago, we had a student in, in the grocery store. Mommy, I can't wait for school to open. And so a lady ran. She was not in the same aisle. She ran around the aisle, first of all, to see some child saying, you know, crying for school to open. Yeah. And she came and she brought a child because she could not believe it. So these students, we, we teach you how to learn. And so these students love learning.
1: That's beautiful. The proof's in the pudding.
3: Yes. Lots, <laughs> lots of good results.
1: Well, I know that I learned a lot about classical schooling in these minutes, and I'm
0: sure that some <laughs> of our listeners learned a lot, too. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at EOCradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.